Hello and welcome to the Life Tools podcast. In school, we learned history and algebra, foreign languages and chemistry, but nobody taught us tools for life. How do we deal with self-doubt? What are beliefs and how do they influence us? How do we find ourselves when we feel lost? And how do we make a healthy decision? Many people learn these things much later in life, after three, four, even five decades of existence, and often the hard way. For a few, like myself, I had to learn them very early. I created this podcast to share with you the tools that have helped me greatly in my own life. They're small actions anybody can take that bring big results over time. Let's get to it. Hello, everyone. Last week, we talked about the first principle, which is your children are not your children. To recap, if we take on this perspective that children do not belong to us, then it will help us to be more curious and trusting towards them. Curious about the gifts they possess within them, gifts which will come out if we give them the space, the support, and the freedom to be themselves and to follow what they like, and trusting that there's a higher order in life we don't necessarily consciously understand, and also that while children may be physically small, they have a certain wisdom within them. This week we are talking about empathy. The way I like to define the word, and I don't know if in the strictest sense this is accurate, is it's a person's ability to see and feel from another person's perspective, like temporarily taking off our own eyeglasses and putting on another person's. I consider empathy to be one of the most important guiding principles for healthy human relationships. When we see only from our perspective, We will consider anybody who has a different perspective or a different way of doing things to be wrong. And when there's conflict, we'll put all our energy into proving ourselves right and the other person wrong, instead of trying to understand what need was unmet within each person and figuring out a win-win solution. Children are no different than adults because they too are humans. They too need to feel heard and understood. I might have already said this in a previous episode, but it's worth repeating. If we are to have a healthy, peaceful society in the future, it is of utmost importance that we practice empathy with children today. In episode 17, I shared how, when I started working with children, I felt very insecure about what I perceived to be my lack of solid knowledge about education and child development. As a result, I was often quite unsure about what I was doing. I remember constantly thinking, I hope what I am doing is right. I hope what I'm doing is helping the child. I hope I don't do anything that will end up damaging them emotionally. Looking back now, I can see that the times when what I said or did actually ended up helping them were the times when I operated from empathy. I have plenty of examples, but I will share with you two here. One with a two-year-old girl I tutored in the Philippines and another, a six-year-old boy, I babysat here in France. So this girl, she was a big source of joy for me, but our first few weeks together were unpredictable and difficult, both for her and for myself. Things would be going smoothly and all of a sudden she would throw her pencils on the floor and start crying or screaming. If I approached her, she would repeatedly hit me and scream even louder. My first reaction was like most people's normal first reaction in this situation, annoyance. The thought that this is bad and unreasonable. 
the temptation to punish because I am tired and I'm in pain and my God, I didn't do anything to her. Why is she doing this? She must be disciplined. Thankfully, there was another part of me and that part said, hold on, no one ever just screams for nothing. It's not a pleasant experience. When I was a child and I cried, it was always about something. It must be the same for her. Maybe she's really upset about something. Is she scared mama's not going to come back to pick her up? Maybe she doesn't feel safe with me yet because I am a new person and this is a new environment for her. Or is she just tired and hungry? In any case, how can I help her? So with these thoughts in mind, I was able to detach from the need to be right, from the annoyance at what I perceived to be unfair, unreasonable behavior. I then proceeded to comfort her and to encourage her to communicate in a different manner. Throwing her pencils and hitting me were not okay, but whatever she was feeling was okay. If she didn't like the activity that I prepared, it was fine. We could look for another one. If she was tired, she could rest. It was normal. If she wanted to play for a little bit, that was okay too. Her behavior did not magically turn around the next day but I saw a rapid and permanent change. Once she understood that she could safely tell me how she was really feeling without fear of being punished or made to feel bad, she never reverted back to throwing tantrums. It even became a fun game of looking for solutions together. The six-year-old boy that I babysat was a different learning experience. He had a tendency to be violent with his older brother. They would be playing together, everything would be okay, and next thing I know he would be punching and kicking his brother's head. It was horrible. Again, like any normal person, my first reaction each time was anger. At first glance, there was no rhyme or reason to his behavior. His brother never said or did anything to provoke him. But I knew, having been a child who threw spoons and books at people when I was angry, that when we hurt someone physically... We don't do it because it's fun or because we intentionally want to hurt someone. It's because we are hurting inside and in our limited minds, this is the only way we know how to deal with this negative emotion and to get what we desperately want. So with this, after pulling them apart and saying that no, this behavior is not okay, I sat down with this boy in a corner and asked him, in the calmest, most reassuring voice I could muster, I'm guessing you don't really want to hurt your brother because many times I have seen you put your arm around him, you like it when he hugs you, you kiss him on the cheek, you like horsing around with him, so I know you love him. Can you tell me why sometimes you suddenly punch and kick him? Tell me how you feel in these moments. It's the only way I can get his attention. He often ignores me, but when I hit him, then he can't ignore me, he said. There it was. Thomas is not an innately bad person. I believe no child is. He just felt small and ignored and this was the only way he knew to express it. By the way, how children deal with their negative emotions is heavily influenced by how they are treated by adults and how adults treat themselves, but we will look at that another time. I didn't make Thomas feel bad. Instead, I offered an alternative action he could take when he felt ignored. I told him he could gently tap his brother on the shoulder because maybe his brother wasn't really ignoring him. Maybe he was just engrossed in something. I also added that in the event the gentle tap on the shoulder didn't work, he could call me. 
This suggestion didn't work immediately, but when it did, even I was taken by surprise. I had hoped for a significant decrease in violence at most, but what happened was that the violence completely stopped. Not right away. There were a few hiccups here and there, but within a few weeks, it completely disappeared. I share these two stories not to brag, but to illustrate the huge difference that empathy can make. I'm sure that if I examine what words I used and how I said them, now that I have more experience and more knowledge, I can find ways to improve them. What I did was not perfect, but they worked, and I sincerely feel that the reason they worked is because I was operating from empathy, and when we operate from empathy, the other person feels heard, they feel validated. It's human nature that when we feel heard and validated, we open up more, we trust more, we stop being defensive. And I want to clarify here that when I say it worked, I don't mean it worked in the sense that I got the child to do what I wanted, because if that's our goal, then threatening works and manipulation works and abuse works. But the emotional effect is disconnection between parent and child and a lot of fear within the child. That's not what we want. When I say it worked, I mean it contributed to the well-being of the child, and this is the most important. There was internal change first, and then the external behavior changed naturally. Thomas felt heard and accepted first, then he was willing to try a different approach with his brother. The two-year-old girl felt safe first, and then communicated more openly, and when she felt heard, it then eliminated the need for her to throw tantrums. Children are small, so it's easy for us big humans to threaten or punish them. They cannot express their feelings well in words, so it's easy for us to assume that they do certain things because they want to provoke us or that they're bad. I don't think this is the case. To be able to practice empathy with them, we need to not just listen with our ears, but listen with our entire being. This is a skill which can be practiced and is worth practicing. If you are a parent or have a child in your life, pay attention to the next time they are quote-unquote difficult. Instead of yelling at them, threatening, or using force, ask yourself, what might be going on inside them right now? If I were in their place, seeing the world through their eyes, how might this situation be causing me distress? How might I need an adult to help me? I hope you found this episode helpful. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to drop me an email at lifetoolspodcast at gmail.com. Have a great week ahead, everyone, and thank you for listening. Bye!